Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf and you're listening to my podcast, Cleaning Up the Mental Mess, a podcast where I share simple and scientifically tested tips and strategies to help you clean up your mind and your life. I tell you, I need this. I'm sure you feel you need the same thing all the time. There's constantly this mental mess that's going on in our minds and our lives. And every time during the day, there's an opportunity for us to clean up our mental mess. But today's podcast, I'm going to talk about empowering versus enabling. And the reason I'm doing this is because maybe like you, like me, you've been in situations where you've had so much compassion for someone and someone's just so dear to you. And they're going through a really tough time and basically you help them a lot and then suddenly there's this shift between are you enabling them or are you empowering them? So has your help or your support shifted from an empowerment where they are, you're helping them to learn to self-regulate and so on, has it then shifted over to the negative of enabling? So I want to talk about that today and just give you some tips and a neurocycle to help you with that. I've had a lot of questions from people asking me about this and to do a podcast on this. And I know for myself, I've had to apply this a lot of times. But before we begin, if you enjoy listening to my podcast and want to know how you can support me, then please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and keep sharing episodes with friends and family and on social media. Back to today's episode where we're going to talk about the difference between enabling and empowering. So empowering is the positive version. It is where you are out of compassion and empathy. You want to help someone, a loved one, a good friend, a family member, whoever. And out of the depths of compassion, you're helping them walk through a journey. And then suddenly, maybe one day, you find yourself feeling a bit frustrated and perhaps the empowering, the helping, the compassion that's been driving you, helping that person has shifted from an empowerment to an enabling. So it starts with compassion and empathy, wanting to help someone and you're helping them. And to a certain point, there's an empowerment happening. But then there reaches a new stage where you find that actually you're enabling them to carry on in that behavior and you're no longer helping them. It's such a fine line to be able to know what that difference is. And so I wanted to just talk a little bit more about it. Now I've got a few notes on the screen. So if you see me glancing away from time to time or glancing up, it's just to make sure that I stay on track and give you all this great information. Okay, so I'm going to read the definition Enabling means that someone else will always fix, solve, or make consequences go away. So you can hear that that's not the right, that's not going to help anyone. So enabling is someone else is always going to fix, make consequences go away. Now, I know I've done this as a parent, I've done this, and I've had to to shift from enabling to empowering. And it's not an easy thing to do, okay? So when someone is struggling with an issue, he or she may become too reliant on the person or persons instead of developing the self-regulation needed to heal and move forward. So empowering someone help someone develop the self-regulation that is needed to be able to progress and move forward. Now, in my new book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, that I've just told you about, I do talk about this as well, about getting self-regulated. Self-regulated is so important. From neuroscientific research and the work that I've done, we actually, and, and many other scientists as well, we show that you can actually self-regulate your thinking, feeling, and choosing every 10 seconds. And it's not that I'm asking you to count every 10 seconds. I'm asking you just to be extremely aware of how you are thinking, feeling, and choosing in the moment and the impact that's having on others. And that comes to enabling and empowering as well. 
So if you're helping a loved one, you need to be very aware of how you are helping that loved one. Are you removing consequences? Are you trying to fix them? Are you trying to protect them and put them in a bubble that they're actually not progressing forward? You know, it's in the messiness of the trials of life that we learn to grow and repair. But it's so hard when you have a loved one that's battling and you can kind of see the solution to not do it for them or to stop the consequences. And as soon as you do that, you're enabling and you're no longer empowering. Okay, so I'm going to talk a little bit more about this and I'm going to actually walk you through a five-step neurocycle because just recently I was in a situation and I've been in these situations a few times as a clinician and a parent just to make sure, you know, in the situation a few times to check myself to make sure that I'm not going into enablement, that I'm staying in empowerment. We want to empower. So once again, enabling means that someone else is fixing, solving, or making the consequences to go away. And that when someone is struggling with an issue, he or she may become too reliant on the person or persons instead of developing the self-regulation needed to heal and move forward. This is a really fine line. I've mentioned that, okay? And because enabling most often starts with deep compassion. Because most of us genuinely want to help others. I mean, you know it, I know it. When you love someone, when someone's pulling at your heartstrings and you feel overwhelming compassion and unshakable love for that person and an unshakable desire to help them, you reach out and do them. I mean, this is one of the beautiful qualities of being human. Okay. And I mean, I'm a mom. I have four kids. And when I see my children in pain or going through something in life, I mean, they've all gone through. I've recently been bringing up a few things in, in my podcast. And I've over the, over the years, I've spoken about things that, that we've gone through as a family. And sometimes I'm so heartbroken when I see what they're going through, or even my, my brother and my sisters and, you know, parents and so on. I want to absorb their pain. I almost feel like I just want to take their pain and absorb it and take it away from them and so they won't have to suffer the consequences. I want to fix it and make it all better so that they don't have to go through it. But that doesn't teach anyone anything. So we've got to kind of recognize that we must follow that compassion and that empathy and help people. But we've got to watch that fine line that we don't shift over into trying to fix it for someone. Okay, so in empathy and empowerment, there is an, an accepting of the messiness and mistakes that people make and allowing people to get into the messes and come to you for help as opposed to you always trying to prevent the messiness from happening or to prevent the mistakes from happening or to quickly fix the mess and quickly fix the mistakes. You know, unless you go through the mess, you can't repair and you can't grow. So empowerment helps you to to be, you, you actually support the person through the mess and through the mistakes to empower them to grow. Okay, so when we talk about empowerment, it does start with compassion. So I just want to define compassion for you. Compassion is a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another person who's stricken by some misfortune. And it's accompanied by a strong desire, and I say strong desire, to alleviate the suffering. So you're looking at a loved one suffering, you want to alleviate the suffering. And this is a good thing. Compassion and empathy, this is a good thing. I'm just saying that we've got to make sure that we aren't taking the compassion to the point of enablement, where you don't allow that person to actually get into the mess and the mistakes in order for them to be able to find and learn and grow. Okay, so compassion is an emotion that we feel that causes us to take pity on another person's pain, and it moves us to take action and to help them. Compassion does get complicated. Okay, emotions can get all tangled up and enmeshed in each other. And you can sometimes lose perspective. I mean, I've done this. I'm sure you have too. We are dealing with a loved one and I've got so enmeshed in their pain and so enmeshed in trying to help them that I kind of lost my perspective. And it took 
talking about it to someone else to say, I've gone through this and this and this for that person to actually then say, hey, hang on, maybe you've just started stepping from compassion and empathy and empowerment into enablement. So compassion is a complicated thing. It can get the emotions of compassion can get all tangled up when you're helping others. So what we need to recognize is that this type of messiness in relationships, in helping others is inevitable, not to be frightened of it, but to embrace it. And then, and it's inevitable. Okay. I mean, how do you say no? Just think about this. How do you say no when you know you need to say no, but you don't want to hurt those people you care about? You don't want to damage the relationship that you have or you're fearful of what they might do. You know, sometimes we can step into enablement because we're so fearful of what that person might do or so fearful of what that person might say or the damage that they might, that you think might happen to the relationship. And sometimes we have to do that. And it's messy and as uncomfortable as, as it feels. If you tune into yourself, if you tune into the depths of your inner wisdom, you can find that distinct line between empowerment and enablement. So before I do, a f- I'm going to take you through a five-step neurocycle, and the neurocycle is this five-step process that I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. That is the system that I've developed, so scientific, over 38 years of research, just clinically retrialed, the results in my book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, and I'm going to use this basic plan of the five steps, and you'll find more about this in the book, so don't forget to pre-order the book, and I'm going to take you through just a simple version of how you can use the five steps of the neurocycle to manage your mind, to be able to forget your inner wisdom from the inner wisdom part of your mind to be able to know that difference between enablement and empowerment. We all have busy lives these days and can't afford to waste a day stuck on the couch because of a few drinks the night before. Zbiotics is the answer we've all been looking for. Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic is the world's first genetically engineered probiotic. It was invented by a PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Here's how it works. When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. Zbiotics produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. It's designed to work like your liver, but in your gut where you need it most. My daughter is a sommelier and loves taking Zbiotics before wine tasting. She says it helps her feel better in the morning, which makes her work so much more enjoyable. Just remember to drink Zbiotics before drinking alcohol, drink responsibly and get a good night's sleep to feel your best tomorrow. And since Labor Day weekend is right around the corner, make sure you stock up before the long weekend. Your friends and family will thank you. Just go to zbiotics.com forward slash Dr. Leaf to get 15% off your first order when you use Dr. Leaf at checkout. You can also sign up for a subscription using my code so you can stay prepared no matter what the time or the occasion. Zbiotics is backed with 100% money back guarantee. So if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money no questions asked the link and details will be in the show notes but just quickly i want to give you a visual analogy so here i've got some trees and those of you that watch me you'll know i mean plant little plant you know that i love to use props because it just makes it so much easier to understand so this is a thought tree and like a tree is made of branches thoughts are made of memories so Essentially, if you imagine this enormous forest that just seems to stretch on forever and ever and ever, of all these trees, that's kind of what your mind looks like. So every experience that you have becomes a thought made of memories. So one thought has got lots and lots of memories, okay? In the middle of this massive forest, there's this huge strip of this beautiful, exquisite part of the forest. It's just perfect. And there's beautiful water and it's just 
gorgeous. So just imagine this beautiful scene. Now, I want you to imagine that that is the depths of your wisdom. It's the deepest part of what we call the non-conscious mind. The non-conscious mind is the biggest part of your mind where all your memories, all your belief systems, all your values, everything you've experienced is stored there. Okay, that's and it's also stored in your brain. So memories are stored in three places. In this forest, which is this quantum gravitational, quantum, these gravitational fields, quantum energy, and also in your brain physically as a protein tree, and also in your body, inside every cell of your body in your DNA. So memory goes in three places. And that's why when we recall thoughts, we, when we call, recall a thought tree, it comes with so much information, all these memories, all these emotions, all these causes from the roots, and you feel it in your body because it's in the, in the DNA as well. So we are always doing that. So now imagine on the outside of the forest, there's lots of green trees, but some of them are small, some are big, some are not as dark as others. And in between, you've got some toxic trees. So here I've got my famous toxic tree, which I'm sure you've all seen before. And this toxic tree with its toxic roots is very much alive, like the living dead here, but it's toxic. So this is a toxic trauma or a toxic habit, you know, a toxic thought that needs to be dealt with. So on the outside of the forest, there's a mixture of these and then also green trees, but these are not so, some are not so strong, some are big, etc. So that outside part of the forest, that is the part of your mind that is kind of like the working part of your non-conscious mind. It's all your experiences and life. Everything that you experience every moment of every day gets converted into a tree in that forest and into a tree in your brain. So by the way that you react and the kind of experience, if it's adverse and you react in the best way you can, you're going to build a toxic tree. If it's just someone maybe arguing with you and you react in a toxic way, you'll build a toxic tree. If you keep doing that, the toxic tree grows. Okay. If you if you respond in a way that's healthy, you build a healthy tree. And we're doing that all day long. So there's just no, you never run out of space in this forest. Just keep growing. Same thing in your brain. I mean, it's crazy how the brain is designed. Brain is designed in such a way that you can just keep building and building and building. But we make these things over here in the forest on the outside, not the middle part, not the beautiful part. I'm talking about that again in a moment. The outside past, these parts on the outside, the toxic ones, these create the mental mess. These are the things that we get that cause us to get stuck, that make us feel depressed and anxious, that make us do stupid things, that we do crazy things where we feel insane and we feel, or we get like caught in these like rumination and overgeneralization and, and, and get unhappy and all that kind of stuff. Okay. So that's just the background. Okay, so now when you go through the five steps of the neurocycle, you are tapping into the depths of that middle of that forest, that beautiful dark forest where there's all beautiful green trees and rivers and birds, just whatever you imagine, however you imagine. That's the core of who you are. That's your mind, the core of your mind, your wise mind, your mind being how you think, feel, and choose. When you think, you feel. When you think and feel, you choose. So that depths of your wisdom is at the core of your non-conscious mind. And then around it is all your life experiences, all your memories in the thought trees being built around it. Okay, so now I said all that to say that when we deal with something like enablement and empowerment to define the fine line between the two, we need to be aware of what's driving the decision to empower or enable. So in order to find the fine line, we need to see what is the dominant thought that is going on inside of our mind that is driving this reaction. So if it's obviously if it's compassion and empathy and you're empowering, well, you're doing the right thing and you'll know that. 
by tuning into your physical and emotional warning signals. So these trees emanate an odor. This would be a, yeah, a horrible toxic odor. This would be a healthy smell, like a beautiful pine tree or gardenia plant or something. So imagine a nice smell coming off this and a horrible smell coming off that. So the smell, in inverted commas, are your warning signals. So these trees are emanating warning signals. And that's just, this is an analogy. So warning signal, we get two types of warning signals. One is emotional. So what are the emotions I'm feeling? And then physical, what's going on in my body? And the reason that we experience those is because memory is stored in the mind, the brain, and the body. So the emotional and physical warning signals together are telling us about what does this thought look like? Why are we doing what we're doing? Key to everything that I teach is that you don't just do things randomly. Whatever you're doing, and in this case, we're talking about empowering versus enabling, whatever you're doing comes from something you have built into your forest. And we don't always access that wisdom part of the forest like we should, because the, if we, inside each of us, we've all said it before. We've all said, I just know that's the right thing. I just know it in my knower. I just feel that that's the right way of functioning. And if we truly honest with ourselves and we really calm the mental mess down we can we we kind of know what we can do what our limits are what we should be doing sometimes we're so crowded by the mental mess that we need to clean it up first which is why i've called my book cleaning up your mental mess in order to get access to the wisdom in the middle of the forest so we can block our wisdom with mental mess so we need to navigate our way through the mess to find the wisdom to fix up the mess. And that's what the five steps of the neurocycle do. So in this case, empowerment is, is healthy. Enablement creates a mental mess, not only in you, but in the person that you're enabling and in the relationship. So it's toxic. It's not helpful to you or anyone. So we have to find out what are the warning signals that tell me that I'm potentially stepping into enablement? And what are my physical warning signals? What are my emotional and physical warning signals? What are my behaviors? What am I doing and saying that are shifting me from empowerment to enablement? So from compassion, empathy, and empowerment and helping others that helps them to not helping them. And how do I then find the reason why? why I'm doing that and how can I deconstruct and reconstruct that? How can I reconceptualize so I can shift back into empowerment and make sure that I get that fine line so that I can help that person and not hinder their process? Okay, so that's super important. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So let's now do a neurocycle together and help you to try and navigate this process. So I've just done this, I've done this many times and I just did this again recently and that's why I decided to share podcasts on this. Okay, so the first thing is that the neurocycle is a five-step process. Each step is scientific based on years of research and basically does amazing things in your brain and in your body, your DNA, your mind, everywhere. Okay, so it is even though the steps are very simple, the process, the sequence is very important that you follow that sequence and that you follow that you that you actually do each step like it should be done. So in my book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, I give you 
tremendous amount of simple insight into what each step is, what it does in the brain, how it works. And then I've got all the clinical trials showing how when you do these five steps, you drop cortisol, you increase DHEA. That's a good thing. You want to drop cortisol. You want a good balance between cortisol and DHEA. You want, which then means that your stress axis is working for you and not against you. You want to get balance between the two front parts of the brain in terms of the energy flow. We don't want to have the alpha wave, which is, we want the alpha wave to be balanced between the two front parts of the brain. Then you use my brain model to explain this. We want alpha, the alpha energy wave at the front part of the brain to not be asymmetric. So we don't want too much alpha there and too little there. We want it balanced. We want high alpha across the left and the right side of the brain. When you have that, you won't have impulsivity in the front part of the brain. That will then lead to increase in balanced beta, which helps keep you online. Bursts of high beta, balanced, which will help you get insight. As, as alpha increases, it helps you to dig down into the depths of your non-conscious mind and find out why you're doing what you're doing. Why are you enabling? What happened? How you can you change it? And so on. So each of these steps is doing amazing stuff in your brain. And as I've said, I've explained some of that. It's, I mean, I can write a whole like 15,000 books literally on what it does because it's there's so much. I've made it super simple for you to understand that, 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 that when you do these five steps, great stuff's happening in your mind and your brain. For me, that's really important. As a scientist, I like to know that when I do something, this is the impact on my brain and my body. It helps me feel empowered because I feel like I've got control. I feel like I can look at that toxic issue in my life. I can embrace it. And instead of feeling guilt and shame and condemnation, I can use the guilt of maybe something I've done wrong to then prompt me to find out why I'm doing it and then to fix it. And that's what these five steps do. Okay, so now let's bring this back to the fine line between empowering, which is good, and enablement, which is not good. Okay, enablement doesn't help people. Just very quickly, I've spoken so much. I want to quickly reread the definition of enabling. Enabling means someone else will always fix, solve, or make the consequences go away. When someone is struggling with an issue, he or she may become too reliant on the person or persons instead of developing the self-regulation needed to heal and move forward. So here's my point. If we are empowering someone, they will learn to self-regulate. They will see the point of the messiness. They'll repair the messiness and they will grow. They will learn to self-regulate. They'll learn to be able to become self-reliant, to be able to catch themselves when they are in a preemptive way, when they're having a breakdown or when they are battling with something. And they'll be able to then fix that and self-regulate that and work out a way forward so they can face the toxic issue and develop a feeling of control. And that's what I showed with my research. You can, by doing these five steps, you can increase that ability to embrace, process, and reconceptualize by up to 81%, which is very, very powerful, and improve your DNA and blood and all kinds of things, which you can find out in the book. Okay, so let's go through the five steps. First step is gather awareness. Second step is to reflect. Third step is to write. Fourth step is to recheck. And fifth step is an act of reach. So in this case, where we're trying to define the difference or help identify where we've stepped over the line between empowerment into enablement. First thing is we're going to gather awareness. Like you gather, embrace it, like take it in. Don't be scared. Look at it. Look at that. Okay, I feel like I'm enabling. Why do I feel like I'm enabling? Okay, first of all, I want to say none of us set out to be an enabler. It happens because deep down, our hearts are in the right place and we don't like feeling pain or guilt or sadness. Our human instinct is to stop pain or guilt or sadness when we see it in others and when we feel it in ourselves. It's the part of us that's wired for love. I mean, scientifically, we've actually found that the brain is wired for love and the mind, where all the trees of the forest that I gave you that example of, are wired for the optimism bias. It's for survival. 
Love is survival. So it's our natural human instinct to stop the pain and the guilt. So enablement is always has the right motivations to help. Okay, so it's part of our wired for love nature and the neuroscience of the brain, but sometimes we can slip from compassion. Remember I said earlier on, compassion is a very complicated emotion and can, can become very enmeshed and entangled, all the emotions of compassion, and it can we can slip from compassion into enablement. So the trouble is, in reality, enabling doesn't lead to feelings of satisfaction or peace or happiness at all. So if you are slipping into enablement, you actually won't feel satisfied. So that's already a warning signal. So if you want to know what, a, what, what, what to gather awareness of, are you feeling like a lack of satisfaction? Are you losing your sense of peace when you're helping this person? Is your feeling of happiness that they're progressing not quite there? Instead, it will actually lead to unhappiness, frustration, confusion, anger, bitterness, resentment, and even depression. The first thing to do to find out this fine line is to gather awareness of a situation that you may be in where you are enabling or you're not sure if you're stepping from empowering to enabling, or maybe a situation that you were in in the past. And so you can just gather awareness of that. You may not be in it right now, but you may remember a time when you were in that in the past. Or maybe you were enabled and you actually had to get, you know, you you, you, work, you were working with someone and they enabled you and you both realized it and you worked through it. Whatever it is, try and recall that memory, okay? And now tune into that memory of enablement versus empowerment, okay? And see if you can remember the shift from compassion and empowerment over to enablement. So how are you going to do that? Recall the memory, bring that up from your, bring that up from the forest of all these thousands of memories, try and recall that now, and then focus on your emotional warning signals first. Emotional warning signals are things like depression, anxiety, frustration, irritation, angst, hovering anxiety. Those are all signals, alarms, symptoms of an underlying something going on okay they're not illnesses they're symptoms so gather awareness of the emotional warning signals as you think about this enablement versus empowerment are you if, if it's in the moment or if it's in the past are you or did you feel unhappiness frustration confusion anger bitterness resentment weariness those are seven there could be some more but that's a good start now gather awareness of the physical warning signals that you think of when you think of this memory and you think of those emotional ones. Scan your body. Is there tension anywhere? See, is there tension maybe as you think of it? Oh, that situation. Does your body tense up? Do your feet tense up? Is your heart fluttering? Whatever. So once you've scanned the emotional warning signals, scan the physical warning signals and kind of match them. Okay, tuning into these physical and emotional warning signals and responding to them and questioning them will take you deeper and help you recognize the difference between enabling and empowering. Because when you do that, this is the first step. You are actually increasing the alpha in the front of your brain, which enables you to look deep inside the depths of your memories, where your memories are, your, your thought, the memories inside the thought trees. So you're going to dip into the non-conscious mind. So what you've just done by doing this step is you started accessing that wisdom forest in the middle that I spoke about in the beginning, the core of who you are, you're actually accessing your wisdom mind to fix the mental mess. So as we do these five steps, we access our deep wisdom to enable us to then fix up the mental mess. So we're using our mind to fix our mind to change our brain. I love summertime. The outdoor concerts and festivals, family vacations, pool parties and more. There's always so much to do this time of the year. But summer is the season of spending and you can do it right with Chime's online checking account. Chime's online checking account has tons of benefits that millions of members love, like 
fee-free overdraft of up to $200, plus get paid up to two days early with direct deposit, or while managing your money on the go 24-7. That means more time and money for beach trips and summer Friday splurges. Plus, with Chime, you can get paid up to two days earlier with a qualifying direct deposit. They also have a fee-free overdraft with SpotMe when you set up a qualifying direct deposit. I especially love the fact that Chime has no monthly minimum balance or overdraft fees and you can access 60,000 plus fee-free ATMs. That's more than the top three national banks combined. Sign up for Chime today and make the summer the best one yet for yourself and your wallet. Get started at chime.com forward slash Dr. Leaf. That's chime.com forward slash Dr. Leaf. The link and details will be in the show notes. Chime is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp NA or Stride Bank NA. Members FDIC. Eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from the payer. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. So now we look at step two. Step two is reflect. Reflect is a beautiful word. It, it means think deeply. It means go beyond just what you can see on the surface. It means ask, answer, and discuss. It means put the thoughts and the emotions, the signals on trial to find out why. So it's asking, answering, and discussing. Okay, so here are some questions to guide you to, to reflect on as you're working out whether you're enabling versus empowering. Here are the questions. Is what you are doing keeping someone from having to face the consequences of their own behavior or is it pointing them in the direction of facing the consequences and therefore learning to self-regulate? The latter is empowerment, the former is enablement. Okay, so this is what I want you to reflect on. Here's the next question. Is the help you are giving taking away the opportunity for them to do something on their own and so gain self-esteem and improve their self-regulation? That's in enablement. Or is the help that you're giving them the opportunity to do something on their own, to gain self-confidence and to improve their self-regulation? That's empowerment. Which one is it? So you're going to reflect on that. So you have to be very cognizant of what are your behaviors that you're doing. What are you saying? Is it doing one or the other? Third question for you to reflect on. Is the help you are giving making things too easy for them, which is enablement, or is it helping them to develop self-reliance, which is empowerment? If your help is actually harming someone, either now or in the long run, it's enabling. So reflect on the fact that maybe it's actually harming them. Be very honest with yourself. The third step is to write down. When you write down, you're going to get even deeper into the non-conscious mind and find those trees that are causing the mental mess and help you to deconstruct and reconstruct and reconceptualize. You can write anywhere you want, but I recommend that you write in what I call a metacog, which is a way of writing that really pulls the two sides of the brain together and helps you dig very deep into the non-conscious and pull things up from the non-conscious. I have an app called the NeuroCycle app. It goes along with this book. This book is out on the 2nd of March. You can pre-order. But the NeuroCycle app is currently available. It's called the Switch app at the moment. It'll soon be changing to the NeuroCycle app. But currently it's called Switch. We'll put the show, the link in the show notes. And you can download 
immediately you can download that day one is free and then it's on sale at the moment you can then you pay for the other days but I basically walk you through these five steps on how to do these neurocycles and in, in that there's also how to do a metacog okay and in this book I also explain how to do a metacog so metacog is a fantastic way of writing will help you really dig deep and get those thoughts on paper get that mental chaos out you'll really see what you're thinking and why it's like vomiting your, your mind on the paper. So it doesn't have to be a beautiful, neat thing. Then you're going to go to the recheck. The recheck is where you reread what was written to find the patterns and the triggers and to reconceptualize it. So by doing the gather, gathering awareness and the reflecting and the right, you've gone really deep. You would have increased your insight as to whether you're enabling or empowering. When we find ourselves trying to fix the other person's problem, or if we find ourselves needing to help the other person for our own sense of identity, if that's a pattern, then we're dealing with enabling and even codependency. So the recheck is to look for that. In this situation now, the recheck, you're trying to find out if you're enabling versus empowering. Let me say that again. When you find yourself trying to fix the other person's problem, or if we find ourselves needing to help the other person for our own sense of identity, then we're dealing with enabling and maybe even codependency. So in this check, this recheck step, look at what you've just written and see if there are any patterns or triggers and here's some questions to guide you. Are you in a pattern of enabling with this particular person? Chances are if you are enabling, you kind of know it already because you don't feel good about it. Do you feel conflicted? Do you perhaps already resent the person you're helping because they don't seem to appreciate it? Or they haven't used your help to improve their situation. They're still in the same situation and you're feeling resentment or frustration. Are your expectations fair? Are you trying to put your timeline on them? Are you trying to say, this is the fix, do it? Did you create the situation? Was it initially compassion and have, is it now enablement? Do you feel taken advantage of and if you're tired of and, and are you tired of it? But you fear that if you stop helping, they'll either hate you forever or spiral downward even further. Why do you feel that? Is this a pattern that you have with most people or just a specific person? If so, why do you think you do this? Find the real motive. The true test of whether you are helping someone out of compassion and love or enabling them, which is actually harming them, is what is your real motive for helping? Okay, I'm going to give you a list now. If it's any of these, you are doing it for the wrong reasons. Okay, so ask yourself in this recheck step, what is my real motive for helping? And if it's any of these, it's the wrong reason and you're not actually helping them at all. Okay, so here's the list. I can't stand to see them in pain. Now, there's nothing wrong with saying you don't want some, to see someone in pain. I don't want any of my loved ones in pain. But you've got to judge between you can't stand seeing them in pain, so you're not going to fix it. You have to rather support through, not take over, okay? They will owe me. Now, that's really quite negative, but I mean, some people feel like that. They make me feel needed and important. Definitely an enabling thought, enabling driver, motivation. I feel guilty if I don't help. See, these are all going to lead you to enablement. I don't want them to think I'm mean. I mean, these are not good reasons to, these are not going to help someone. They'll love me more if I help. Not true. Am I hoping to help this person so I can rescue them? Or are you trying to rescue them? You're not helping them. Remember, we can't be someone else. You can only be you. You can only support someone else. Am I helping this person because it seems like my identity rests upon my ability to help others? So that about your identity, we need to ask ourselves these questions. Because when we're honest about these kind of things, then we can really help someone else. Am I helping this person because I don't feel strong enough to help myself? 
So their problem becomes a distraction from my own challenges. That's a good one. I mean, all of us, these are like kind of probing questions. You know, is this now you've got your own issues, but you're so busy helping fix someone else that you can be distracted from your own challenges. So those are some recheck questions that you can ask yourself. Now, step number five, active reach. The active reach is a summary action. It's like a full stop and that you do to help gain a sense of mental peace and progress forward from enablement to empowerment. But that doesn't mean you have to stop helping altogether, okay? It means that there's finding a healthy way to help, to show compassion and empathy and love and actually doing good rather than harm. So I'm going to just read some active reach ideas to you that that I wrote out that I believe will help you. Here are some active reaches to help you move from enablement to empowerment. The first one, sometimes it means making hard and unpopular choices. But when you see the difference it makes in yourself and your loved one, you'll know it was worth it. Second one, One of the best ways to empower is to approach every relationship you are a part of with a healthy sense of boundaries. You've heard me talk about boundaries before. We all know boundaries is important. If you balance, now listen to this, listen to what I've written. If you balance kindness with being able to say say no when you or the other person is stepping over the boundaries, so kindness, mix in kindness, three things, be kind, be kind, be kind. If you mix in kindness with boundaries, you will be able to stay in compassion without enabling the other to continue to depend upon you. Very powerful. Third one, each person should take full responsibility for his or her own self-care, emotional, physical, and spiritual, with the knowledge that no other human being can do this for you. Got to question ourselves. I mean, honestly, as a mom, I've been a Mrs. Fix-It mom where I wanted to take responsibility because it started with compassion and empathy, but I had to learn you can't do that. So this is really stuff that I apply in my own life. I ask myself these questions all the time as a mom, as a therapist, etc., and as a wife. When you cannot help yourself, it is healthy to ask for help. So please don't be scared to ask for help. It's help. It's healthy. But do to do so without feeling entitled to it. So we need to ask for help. But don't feel entitled to it. When you reach out to help someone else, seek to support them in their own journey. This is so key. Ask for help, but don't feel entitled to get it because maybe that person can't help you. Maybe someone else needs to help you. And when you do reach out to help someone else, make sure that you support them in their own journey while refraining from creating an unhealthy dependence on you. Be careful that you don't create an unhealthy dependence. And sometimes if you have and you've got to break it, it's very painful. And going through that messiness leads to growth and repair. Don't be frightened to embrace all those emotions and to say, why am I feeling like this? A lot of the times you can feel very, very confused because of the enmeshment of compassion and empathy and all those emotions. But don't be scared to face them and push through. And then the last one, sometimes you may feel the need to say that dreaded word, No, N-O. And to understand that saying no can sometimes be the most loving and selfless gesture of all. I hope this podcast has helped you manage or understand the difference between empowerment and enablement. And if you want to know more about cleaning up the mental mess using neurocycles in a multitude of different situations. I mean, our mind is always working. You don't go three seconds without using your mind. So you always need mind management. And in this book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, which you can pre-order now, it's coming out on the 2nd of March, you can learn how to manage your mind all the time. It doesn't replace therapy, it enhances therapy. But between therapy and between talking to other people, you've got to live with your mind. So you've got to manage your mind. Today, we specifically focus on managing the difference between enablement and empowerment. And I hope it's helped you. And I hope that that you've learned from this and that it's encouraged. And I want to encourage you that you're brilliant. You have an incredible mind. And don't forget that you you cannot control events and circumstances of your life, but you can control your reactions. Thanks for listening to me today. 
I hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful. If you want more tips and help with managing anxiety, depression, and mental health, be sure to visit my website at drleaf.com and to sign up for my weekly newsletter where I also include a schedule of my speaking events and so much more. And follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look for Dr. Caroline Leaf. Also, I love seeing all your posts on social media about this podcast. I love seeing what resonates with you and what you've learned. So be sure to continue posting and tagging me and letting me know what you think and how these tips worked out for you. And don't forget, leave a review and keep spreading the word about this podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I really hope you learned something new and helpful. Till then, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf. This podcast represents the opinions of myself and my guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for educational and informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional for any individual medical questions you may have. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions or corrections of errors.